We can't let what we're learning now go to waste. We really got to capitalize on these lessons and apply them internally on how we start looking at, dare I say, modernizing how we do business. On the other side of this, if we were to go back to, hey, someone's going to print on a piece of paper, hey, I need to apply a web signature to it, then we really haven't embraced the opportunity to really push for digital government. And it's not just how do you equip someone with telework technologies, it's what are those things that didn't work so well when we went through it during COVID that you need to address going forward. Federal IT has bridged the gap between government and citizen service during the COVID-19 pandemic. As the country takes the very first steps toward recovery, Meritalk is chronicling the untold stories of how federal IT is getting the job done and lessons learned for the road ahead. Welcome to the Meritalk podcast series, CIO Crossroads, Federal IT in the COVID Crisis. Our latest chapter explores IT operations at the Environmental Protection Agency. Created 50 years ago to consolidate federal environmental research, standard setting, monitoring, and enforcement, the mission of the Environmental Protection Agency, or EPA, runs the gamut from improving air and water quality to ensuring chemical safety and shoring up the Earth's ozone layer. Because of the agency's widely spread geographic mission, many of EPA's 14,000-plus employees spend time working in the field. In the early days of the COVID-19 pandemic, one silver lining emerged for EPA. Many employees already had the tools to telework on a regular basis, and the agency knew exactly how to deploy technology to optimize its mission. In an exclusive interview with Meritalk, EPA CIO Vaughn Noga details the quick turn to telework, propelled by the agency's decisions years ago to maximize cloud-based services and empower mobile technologies. Vaughn, can you talk about your biggest priorities during the pandemic and what you see as the broad successes for EPA? What have you been proudest of during this time? I think, you know, one of the things, certainly from the EPA's perspective, is when this all started, I, I think we, we had prepared for a long time for remote work. We certainly had some issues with our VPNs and, and scaling the VPNs. But that was resolved within the first couple of weeks. Uh, we had a workforce that predominantly was provisioned with laptop computers, mobile technologies. You know, one of our goals was to ensure that our folks within the agency could continue doing their jobs. They could continue to connect. They could continue using the tools that we deployed. They could continue to collaborate. And that's exactly what we saw over the first couple of weeks. One of the things that, that I, I take great pride in is, you know, it's kind of the way that we measure ourselves. If the phones aren't ringing and, and folks aren't opening up, you know, hundreds of tickets, we take that as success because we are meeting the needs of our workforce on the technology side. So I was really proud of the, the IT community, not just within my office, but across the agency from responding to, you know, the phone calls and responding to employees' requests for support. And quite frankly, you know, while we were going through some of the issues with the VPNs, working with our contractor partners to resolve issues and, and which required folks to, to kind of burn the midnight oil, if you would. But I think, you know, part of it, it was an all-in approach to making sure that our employees had the tools they needed to get their jobs done. Is there anything that surprised you? I think one of the things 
that we saw early on was just the ability for the workforce to rapidly transition into an all telework type of environment. You know, they were still, you know, adopted a new way of conducting business. Um, I, I think the other thing that we saw, and, you know, I kind of joke about this before COVID that, you know, generally when you get a phone call from someone in IT organizations because of a problem, because there's some sort of issue with the technology or some sort of issue with the network. And I think one of the things that, that you know, is a measure of success is we were getting phone calls for, oh my gosh, this stuff works and we're able to do our job. So, you know, instead of the general phone calls for something's wrong, we were getting some recognition on things that were just working right and meeting the employees needs to get the job done. That's a common theme we've heard from other CIOs. Genuine surprise at how quickly all employees could get right back into the work. Because we know there's been a lot of naysayers about telework. You don't just transition to telework, you prepare for it. And so one of the things that, that I'm most proud of is we've been working at telework. I've been in the EPA this month going on 12 years, and I started in EPA as the CTO. And, and one of the things that, that we really looked at then was, you know, work is what you do, not where you are. Right? So how do we start adapting and adopting technologies and capabilities to support that? At that time, EPA did have a fairly mobile workforce. You know, we had people out in the field. We have people utilizing some of the telework flexibilities, so we need to make sure that the, the tools worked um, wherever they work. Do you have any metrics you can share? I will give you some anecdotal metrics. It goes back to really the adoption of technologies during the midst of COVID. One of the things we were looking at doing before COVID was transitioning from Microsoft Skype to Teams. We had to pull together kind of a test group of about 600 folks. We're doing some testing, and then COVID hit. And what we saw was a rapid adoption of users on Teams. We went from 600 to over 10,000 users in the span of a couple months. What's so nice about that is, is we spent a long time preparing the workforce to adopt Skype, and we did a lot of training, and, and it was slow adoption. But what we saw with this and a new way of working is that the workforce really rapidly adopted. They embraced the training that was provided. And they're actively using technologies. And that's just one example. I think another example, and this is not just the IT, I work in the mission support organization, which is not just IT, it's resource management, it's, it's HR, facilities, safety and health. So the nice thing about the organization with an EPA is we collaborate across, right? So we're all mission support. We all have kind of that. We need to make sure the employee has got the, the resources they need to be productive. Early on, we knew that we still needed to onboard people. People were still being hired. People still were coming into the organization. People still need to have their IT technologies. I mean, since March, um, we've onboarded 394 federal employees, which means we brought 394 people on. We provided them and gave them the oath of office. We provisioned them their IT tools remotely. We sent it to them. We trained them remotely and they, they were actively and they were productive on day one. So to me, that's a huge success because we were rapidly transitioning to a different way of doing business, the business of onboarding employees into the EPA. And I think, you know, it wasn't just an IT thing. It was, it was an all of all mess. You know, how do we coordinate? How do we collaborate and communicate to these end users to make sure they understand what's going on and, and how we will support them going forward? Is there one lesson learned out of this that you would want folks to know? I guess the lesson learned is don't waste this opportunity, these lessons learned that we're learning now going forward, right? So my biggest concern is that all the things that we're learning now, 
different ways of conducting business, different ways of, of doing work, that once we get back to whatever the normal is, that we won't, you know, look at those uh, things that we've learned and apply those going forward. I'll give you an example. We've been doing this for the better part of three months now. I haven't printed a single piece of paper. I haven't applied a wet signature to any document. It's all been done, your digital signature. On the other side of this, you know, if we were to go back to, hey, someone's going to print a print on a piece of paper, hey, I need to apply a wet signature to it, then we really haven't embraced the opportunity to really push for digital government. We need to you know, let this time, you know, these new behaviors, we need to continue that. And so that's one of the things that we're actively working on is how do we continue this? You know, we're not printing and, and we're the EPA, so we shouldn't be you know, consuming a lot of those resources anyway. So again, I think we need to capitalize on these, these lessons that we're learning now. If you could give yourself some advice three months ago, is there something you wish you had thought more about or done in preparation? I don't think there's anything I would advise myself three months ago that would have prepared me for this. You know, we really haven't experienced, you know, in the continuity of government operations playbook, a lot of the activity, a lot of the exercises we go through are regional or headquarters based, but we're going through an all of government activity, right? Everyone in the federal government is teleworking or nearly everyone is teleworking. This is kind of a, a new page in the playbook. You know, we haven't really drilled for it, if you will. We haven't and I think this is the scenario that, that needs to be considered going forward. You know, how are you preparing for no one can come to the office? And it's not just how do you equip someone with telework technologies. It's what are those things that didn't work so well when we went through it during COVID that you need to address going forward? Right? So something as simple as we interact with stakeholders, external stakeholders in a regulated community. We require them to sign documents and provide them to us. Right. We've identified, hey, this is not probably the easiest process. How do we fix that going forward? That's the advice that I probably would have given myself not three months ago, but, but 10 years ago, as you start looking at transforming and modernization, you know, what are those things that you really need to focus on? Would that advice essentially be the same for the whole of the federal government? I think so. You know, one of the things I see written about quite a bit is the, the whole thing about IT modernization. Right. And I think, you know, everyone's like, hey, we need to modernize our IT. And, and I look at IT modernization not as a singular event, right? It's continuous modernization. So I think one of the things that we really need to pivot to is we, we need to start looking at systems and technologies and continuously evaluate that to ensure that they meet the current and future needs. It, it can't be a, oh my gosh, there's something wrong with the system. We need to modernize, right? That's where you start getting into to, to a lot of the issues because you've probably waited too long to address it. You know, I, I think it's the whole concept of continuous modernization. And, you know, I stress upon my folks that we, we can't let what we're learning now go to waste. We really got to capitalize on these lessons and apply them internally on how we start looking at, dare I say, modernizing how we do business, not necessarily from a technology perspective, but business in general. You know, some of the things that we're looking at is what's what do we learn about ourselves? What do we learn about our services? What do we learn about our capabilities? And what are we going to do in the next 30, 60, 90 days? Whether it's the implementation of something new, a new technology that will help us mitigate an existing issue, or it's something that we need to start thinking about strategically going forward. What are those things? And I've charged my group to start looking at what are those things, because I think those actually end up becoming your future priorities. Right. We've identified issues. How are we going to remediate that so we don't let it happen to us again in the future? 
And I think that's one of the most important things that you know, from a leadership perspective that, that we need to do is improve our ability to respond to fill in the blank, whether it's a, an IT requirement, whether it's a digitization requirement, whether it's how we interact with the, the regulated community and states and tribes. What do we need to do? What's worked well across the federal government with telework? I mean, I can only talk for EPA. You know, what works well certainly is the technologies and some of the preparation that we've done. Certainly cybersecurity is concerned. But one of the things that we learned a long time ago was you, you need to be able to patch and manage an IT asset wherever it sits, whether it's on network or off network. You need to be able to provide remote support to an individual, whether they sit on network or off network. So we, we've implemented a lot of those technologies early on, and it's worked very well for us as we're working through COVID. Okay, how about technology for people that can't telework because of mission requirements? I mean, a lot of those folks are, are folks who need to work in the field, whether it's in a response capacity. They certainly have technologies that they use because in that capacity, they are truly teleworking. So a lot of those technologies already exist. I think for some of the individuals who still need to come to the office, so we have folks who work in labs. So we still have lab operations that are going on. I don't think that there's necessarily an IT tool or technology that was directly implemented as a result of COVID. I think you know that they have the same sorts of technologies that, that the other employees have, but because of the type of work they do, it requires them to go into the office or go into the lab. What keeps you up at night regarding the cybersecurity risks or any other emerging threats you see in the COVID period? I think the same things that kept me up before COVID are the same things that keep me up now. You know, making sure that we've got visibility on, on the IT assets, make sure that we're appropriately responding to threats. Again, I go back to, you know, work is what you do, not where you are. And so we've got our security personnel and our security operations folks. They're still manning the, the monitor, if you will. They're still following up on incidents. They're still doing that same work they were doing before, but they're doing it in a telework fashion. We're still patching systems. We're still identifying vulnerabilities that need to be remediated. We're still coordinating across the information security workforce across agency to make sure that we resolve vulnerabilities. So a lot of the, again, a lot of the same things that kept me up before are the same things that keep me up after. And certainly there's opportunities uh, when you're in the midst of the COVID that adversaries will try to capitalize on. But I think it was and is the, our professional staff that, that you know, has been on top of this, using the tools that we put in place to make sure that, that we're, we're keep, at least keeping an eye on what's going on and, and patching and, and remediating vulnerabilities. How has the CDM program helped you out during the pandemic? We certainly work closely with DHS. I know my information security group has adopted a lot of those technologies. I think that certainly the CDM program is a significant value to federal agencies. And part of it is just bringing focus and bringing um, technologies and support to the federal agencies that certainly helped us improve our security posture. How would you grade intra-government collaboration and cooperation? What kinds of things are working well? And are there greater opportunities for more collaboration? Yeah, I, th I think you can never over-collaborate. I, I think, you know, the work that Suzette's done the Seattle Council and the coordination that she's provided, it was critical during this response. She was kind of a, the focal point for the agency CIOs for information sharing, for technology sharing. We are where we are as a federal government because of a lot of the work that was done early on by establishing those conference calls, by uh, reaching out to federal CIOs, 
by setting up information sharing forums by which uh, information could be passed uh, across the agencies. Is there anything from that process of sharing best practices that could be expanded or institutionalized? I think with some of the new collaboration tools that the federal government has adopted, there is an opportunity to start federating those. We've talked about federation and and being able to collaborate, not through email or not through a file sharing service, but through technologies like chat, like Teams, like Skype, like things like that, that I I think that we are going to get in a position to start embracing more. That real-time collaboration where you can text someone sitting in another federal agency and have an instantaneous conversation is, is, is a good thing. Tell us about your days in the first week of the crisis and how your days have changed since then. Are you fully entrenched in the new normal? And what does that look like? Yes, yeah, so certainly. I, and probably my story is no different than anybody else's story on the first days. The first days of COVID, we're just trying to understand what's going on, trying to get your arms around what issues are you seeing that you need to remediate? Who do you need to involve? Probably just like every other federal agency, we, we convened more meetings. Uh, we did more information sharing, as much information as there was to share at that time. And so the, really the focus was on, you know, going to telework and making sure that we've got the tools in place, making sure that the communications were set. So it wasn't necessarily a total IT activity. Uh, again, from the mission support side of it, it was how to develop the frequently asked questions, make sure the information's out there, right? So we spent a great deal of time making sure that we could inform the workforce on every aspect of what's going on, from telework flexibilities to how to use technologies to questions that would come up from the workforce. That was the first you know, several weeks of the response. I think over time, you kind of get to a new normal. So some of those meetings that you've established early on for information sharing, if you don't have any more information to share necessarily, or it's not coming as frequent, then those meetings would drop off the schedule. You know, I don't need to have an extra meeting necessarily. So I, I think we've actually come back down to, and I hate to use the word normal operations, but you know, we've kind of pivoted back to, you know, we still have activities that we're engaged in. We still have systems that we're modernizing. We still have technologies we're implementing. We still have applications that need to be patched. And so we've kind of pivoted back to that. But we're, we're doing it within a new framework, the framework of telework. That's kind of been the, the biggest change. What systems have worked best? And can you tell us about, I don't know, lessons learned with IT modernization, cloud, cybersecurity, authentication? So, you know, what's worked best is the cloud technologies, right? So we, we made a decision many years ago to adopt Office 365, you know, SharePoint, OneDrive, collaboration tools like Skype. Adobe Connect. So a lot of our technologies are cloud-based. So that doesn't necessarily mean that we need to be on a VPN, right? And that's one of the things that I think people appreciate is I don't need to be on a virtual private network connected to the agency to be able to use these technologies, right? And that's that's one of the things that, that I think probably helped us out a lot is that we weren't specifically tied to a network connection back in the agency to be able to use our technologies. I'm talking to you right now, I'm not connected to VPN, but I'm still able to use the technologies that EPA has provisioned on the laptop computer. Are there any shout outs you'd like to give your team members at EPA or others across the government? Yeah, I, th- I think, and I said it earlier, I think the shout out to me is, is to the entire mission support team in headquarters across the regions. And this is not just IT, this is IT, this is resource management, facilities, safety and health human resources. These are the folks who don't necessarily get the kudos, if you will, 
because it's it's one of those I think you know there's an expectation that someone's going to be hiring somebody or or your network is going to be available. But when something extreme like this happens, I think people have an appreciation for hey. There's still someone back there who's making sure that our hiring actions are being completed. There's someone back there that's that's asking the questions of what's going on now and what kind of information needs to be shared with respect to the employees on, on HR issues. It's folks back there who make sure that the network is available, the VPN is available, or someone is at the other end of the phone that can work you through an IT problem. So my shout out goes out to the entire agency. It's not just my organization. It's, it's all the IT and and HR and, and resource and facility folks out there who've enabled this and who've actually supported EPA with the response to COVID. Looking at the big picture, what do you think will change in our government and in our society moving forward as a result of the pandemic? What will we do that's new and what will we stop doing? As far as planning goes, when we start looking at continuity of government operations, this is a new page. And like I said before, a new page in the playbook. You've always got to now start thinking about, hey, it's an all-of-government situation. How are you going to respond to it? What will we do that is new? I think we'll start looking at, and not that we haven't been, but looking at those areas that we couldn't support as well as we'd like to. So something as simple as, what do you do with mail that shows up at your building that no one can go get? Right. So we still do a lot of things through the postal services. What does that look like? What do we need to do now to remedy that in the future? Hopefully, other things we'll stop doing is, is printing and move forward with digital government and those technologies support a total digital or digitized government. To me, I think that's one of the things that we're focused on is how do we go you know, from an EPA, how do you go paperless? How do you truly go paperless? What does that look like? We started things before COVID, looking at digitization capability within the agency. We recognize that you know, we store a lot of paper. And Paper costs money to store, whether it's in the Federal Record Center or it's in one of our buildings. You know, you pay rent on those spaces. So how, how do you move from storing paper to, to a total digitized EPA? And that's, that's one thing I think is going to change going forward is a more rapid adoption of that. How will you and your team function in a world without conferences as we know them? And how do you envision interacting with industry? That's an excellent question because... The week after we started going full-time telework, we were supposed to have a GIS conference in D.C., in Northern Virginia. And we pivoted quickly to a all-remote, all-virtual conference. So I think you're going to start seeing more of those. We've had several of those, and we've got several more planned. So I, I think conferences will happen, but how you actually conduct the conference will change. Certainly now, anyway, I think as we get on the other side of this and whatever the new normal looks like, then I think it'll be modified. I think one of the things that we, we have seen, though, is that you know, social interaction is, is good, right? We're human beings. And whether it's a conference in the traditional sense, there, there's still the need for folks to engage. And yeah, you can do a certain amount of engagement through a video conference. But I think, you know, human nature to be around other folks, right? So we need to figure that out. What does that look like in the current context? Today, we've been talking with EPA CIO Vaughn Noga. Vaughn, thank you for speaking with us today. Thank you. And thank you, listeners, for joining Meritalk's podcast series, CIO Crossroads, Federal IT in the COVID Crisis. We hope you'll continue to join us as we take a look at Federal IT's reaction to the crisis, the challenges faced along the way, and, ultimately, the success stories that have kept America rolling.